Struggles going on all over the place in the world of sports. We got a former champion struggling in the National Basketball Association. We got a plethora of NFL teams struggling. We got coaches struggling all over the place, college and professional football. And you got your boy Stephen A. having to respond to it all. I'm in a good mood. It's been a nice weekend. But it don't mean I ain't going to call it like I see it. You know what time it is. Stephen A. Smith Show coming your way. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest edition of the Stephen A. Smith Show, coming to you at the very least three times per week, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, or at the very least over the digital airwaves of YouTube. I'm here in my brand new studio, thanks to our official studio sponsor, FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel, the official studio sponsor of the Stephen A. Smith Show. By the way, I always take a moment to show my appreciation for the love and support you all have given me as followers and subscribers. We continue to climb the charts and we've exceeded 391,000 followers in the first seven months. Picked up over 10,000 followers just this last week alone. So keep the love coming. I'm going to keep on coming. Thank you so much. And by the way, Make sure to like and follow the Stephen A. Smith Show right here on YouTube. Just click the bell to get notified of all of our new content. While you're at, at it doing all of that, please don't forget to pick up a copy of my New York Times bestselling book, Straight Shooter, a memoir of second chances and first takes. I'll be taking your calls, as always, near the end of the show and your questions. So feel free to tweet at me or call in at 888-727-5303. That's 888-SAS-5303. 888-SAS-5303. 5303. There's a lot of stories to get into um, when we think about today's show. The first order of business for me is the Los Angeles Chargers. They've lost again, ladies and gentlemen, courtesy to Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers, giving them a record of four and six on the season. Needless to say, their playoff hopes are slipping away and it's beginning to have an effect on head coach Brandon Staley. Staley snapped at reporters and had a tense exchange with the media following the latest loss when he was asked about the defense's inability to slow opposing teams. Take a look at this. I have full confidence, like I've told you, and like I've told you from the beginning, I have full confidence in our way of playing. Full confidence in myself as the play caller and the way that we teach and the way that we scheme. Full confidence in that. We got to bring this group together and do it consistently. Okay. And that's where it's at. So you can stop asking that question. Okay. I'm going to be calling the defenses. Okay, so we're clear. So you don't have to ask that again. I totally agree with Coach Brandon Staley for the Los Angeles Chargers. That was not the appropriate question for the reporter to ask. The reporter should have asked, when do you expect to lose your job? Because it should have happened already. This man needs to go. It's just that simple, y'all. The coach of the Los Angeles Chargers is the same coach that was coaching them when they were up 27 to nothing. In a, in a playoff game against the Jacksonville Jaguars, they were up 27 to nothing. They were up 27 to 7 at halftime. Ended up losing the game 31 to 30. As far as I'm concerned, I've said it on many occasions, I'll say it again. He should have had the flown home commercial. He shouldn't have even been allowed on a team plane. You don't give up a lead like that. Not with the names in that defense. Not with Justin Herbert as your quarterback. But that's exactly what happened. Then they come into this season, okay? And they're already struggling. Now let's take this into consideration. Think about the Derwin James, the Khalil Max of the world, the J.C. Jackson of the world, the various others that are on their squad defensively. Think about offensively having a Justin Herbert. You know what I'm saying? Eckler as your running back spot. Keenan Allen as your wide receiver, even though he dropped the pass to hit him right in the chest in between the numbers yesterday. The reality is there's a plethora of 
of situations that have transpired where Brandon Staley has shown that he did not deserve to be the head coach in the first place. Now, let's take into consideration his his record, which is 23 and 21 as the head coach for the Los Angeles Chargers with Justin Herbert as your quarterback. I'm going to keep repeating that because he's a young stud and we know no matter how much they have struggled, it, bottom line is he deserves better because he's got that much talent. You're talking about five losses that have taken place this year at three points or less. I know that speaks to the level of competitiveness that the Los Angeles Chargers have exhibited, but it also speaks to an inexperienced coach who never deserved a job because bottom line is we're not sure if he was qualified to be a leader of men. Now, I know that sounds a bit harsh, but damn it, the No Fun League, which is the National Football League, what they mean when they say such a thing about it is that this is about men. This is about people that got to pay their bills, pay mortgages, take care of their families, putting their, phys- their lives on the line for crying out loud, considering how physical the National Football League is. And you got to have a coach that knows what the hell he's doing and isn't throwing away games like Brandon Staley has done throughout the course of his career coaching the Los Angeles Chargers. And how did he get the job? How did he get the job to begin with a few years ago? I'll tell you how he got the job. He was the defensive coordinator for the Los Angeles Rams. Ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Donald was one of his stars. Jalen Ramsey was another. I could have coached them. You got people, many, many people qualified to be a head coach. He had one year as a defensive coordinator. And look what happened. It ends up landing him a job and the charges keep holding on for dear life, praying that this dude is going to be somebody that can get it done for you. He's not. Nobody's throwing shade. The reality is you have certain coaches that are made to be coordinators. Brandon Staley's one of those people. And if the Chargers don't wake up quick, fast, and in a hurry, they're not only going to blow this season, they're going to blow yet another season of Justin Herbert's career. They're going to put him in a precarious position. You already got an abundance of dudes looking at Staley with a raised eyebrow questioning what the hell he's talking about. He's clearly throwing other people under the bus because he's saying, I'm doing stuff that's right. Remember, he got rid of Joe Lombardi, the offensive coordinator. They brought in Kellen Moore. Well, the offense has been prolific. The defense hasn't. They're one of the worst defenses in the NFL. And this man got the job because he was a defensive coordinator they thought could get the job done. Well, he's not doing it. So if he's not doing it, it's time to move in a different direction. And I'm not calling for him to be fired at the end of the season. I'm calling for it right now. Right now. They shouldn't hesitate. As far as I'm concerned, he should have already been fired as the head coach for the Chargers. He's not the right man for the job. I don't care if you got to go out there and get Eric Bieniemy, who, by the way, hasn't helped himself incredibly well in the nation's capital being the offensive coordinator. But he's got Sam Howell as his quarterback. Let him get Justin Herbert and see what he does. In the AFC West, where he coached an offensive coordinator under Andy Reid for all of these years that Patrick Mahomes was going to Super Bowl and winning two of them. And if you ain't going to get him, get Bill Belichick, because I don't think he's going to be in New England after this year. But it is clear Brandon Staley does not need to be the head coach for the Chargers any longer. And if I'm the Chargers, I pull a Las Vegas Raiders move when they had to let go of John Gruden with his scandal and they put Versace up in there and he guided them to the playoffs even though they lost to Cincinnati once they got there. They were highly competitive. I say you've got some folks on your staff that you could give the job to 
Because Staley ain't the answer. He's not the answer. It amazes me how we look at certain situations. And we're so quick to say this player doesn't have it anymore. This offensive coordinator, this defensive coordinator doesn't have it anymore. But we never want to do that with the head coach. We always want to hold on for dear life. Why? Does he have pictures on somebody or something? What the hell is this fixation on Brandon Staley? I just don't get it. I just don't get it. But the Chargers had better get it quick, fast, and in a hurry if they want to have any shot at making the playoffs. I can tell you that much. Let me move on to the next subject at hand because the next subject involves the one and only primetime Deion Sanders, head coach for the Colorado Buffaloes. After a blistering start to their season, Colorado is now 4-7 following their 56-14 loss to Washington State. The loss officially prevents the Buffs from being eligible for a bowl game. Coach Sanders discussed the difficult stretch of the season. Take a look. How much are guys kind of auditioning for, for where they stand going into the season? <laughs> I don't know about audition, man. We're trying to win. We're trying to win. We, we're just trying to win a football game. I don't know about the auditions. We're trying to win. <sighs> well, if you're trying to win, you're not trying very hard. And I would certainly not accuse any team associated with primetime Deion Sanders of that. So it's not a matter of just trying to win. I know the effort is there. What primetime Deion Sanders is not saying, we just don't have the horses. You got annihilated by Oregon on national television. You just got annihilated by Washington State. You were up 29 and nothing on Stanford at halftime, and you blew that game in double overtime, losing 46 to 43. You've lost to Oregon State. The list just goes on and on and on. The Colorado Buffaloes look awful right now. And here's why. Here's the biggest reason why. We got to call it like we see it. They don't have the horses. I don't want to hear anybody talking about the coach in the primetime, Deion Sanders. The man didn't forget how to coach. Okay? He knew how to coach when he was at Jackson State in HBCU. He knew how to coach the first few games when he resurrected this program, when they upset TCU to open the season, a national runner-up last season. Okay? Beat up on Nebraska. Beat Colorado State. Okay? Struggled offensively against UCLA, totally true. Went in a shootout, lost in a shootout against USC. We get it. They've had some good moments, certainly better moments than they had last year before primetime Deion Sanders arrived. This isn't about coaching with the Colorado Buffaloes. This is about the fact that they don't have any hogs. They don't have those big boys with the beef. And I'm going to tell you something right now. Florida State looks like they made a tremendous decision because they're 11-0. and They beat Florida. They will finish the season at 12-0. and Going into their conference tournament and all of this other stuff. But let me tell you something right now. I wish Deion was there. I wish he was at a different program. I wish that Texas A&M would call him. I wish somebody with huge coffers and alumni with, with fat wallets that could put him in a position where he's competing in a conference like the SEC. He's going up against Nick Saban. He's going up against Kirby Smart. He's going up against Brian Kelly and those boys. Lane Kiffin, throw him in there too. I wish they would give Deion Sanders an opportunity like that. He could tell you all the stuff he wants to about how he ain't thinking about anything but being here at Colorado. Got his home here, got his family here, all that other stuff. They know how to move. He knows how to get on a plane and fly. Hell, he could drive. 
pack the bag, pack the van up and, and drive to hell of Texas A&M. If I'm Texas A&M, if you could pay Jimbo Fisher 76 to 79 million dollars to not coach football, you can pay primetime Deion Sanders. Give that brother a chance to recruit in the SEC. See what hogs he's going to lack then. Because I assure you, the level of personnel that he's been incapable of getting in his first year at Colorado, there ain't going to be a problem if he gets to an SEC program like Texas A&M. I'm just telling you what I know. I'm just telling you what I know. I don't care what he says. I don't care what he says. I know the man. And I'm telling you right now, I'd fly to Colorado myself and try to strangle him to drag him to Texas A&M if they offered him the job and he talked about staying at Colorado. No disrespect to Colorado. You did hire him from an HBCU. Major props to you. But you're never going to be able to recruit but so much at the University of Colorado. First of all, the Pac-12 is dissolving. Secondly, when you look at them, the reality is, is that are you really going to go to Colorado before you go to an SEC school? Are you really going to go to Colorado before you go to somebody like in the Big Ten, like Ohio State or Michigan? Or even Michigan State for that matter? Are you really going to do that? Hell, I think you got a better chance of getting better athletes at Rutgers before you got cats that want to go to Boulder, Colorado. We just got to be real with what we're seeing here. He doesn't have the horses. Shador Sanders, I mean, it, 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 he loves his daddy. And he loves playing football and, and he's a stud, but he's miniature in size compared to them big boys coming after him. He's been sacked 52 times. He's getting mauled and mugged legally. Legally. Thank God his father and the coaches said he didn't need to go back up in there because he's getting slaughtered. Travis Hunt, same thing. He's been injured on at least two occasions this year. They don't have the horses. Football starts up front. Line of scrimmage, offensive line, defensive line. It's about them meat and potato boys. It's about them hogs. It's about them boys that eat steak and potatoes for breakfast. It's about those. You don't have them in Colorado. That's why you're seeing what you're seeing now over the last seven weeks or so. Because they just don't have them. And you ain't going to get them in Boulder, Colorado. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen. Before I get on out of here for this particular segment, I want to transition to the National Basketball Association. Because one of my favorite teams in the National Basketball Association has been pretty atrocious to watch. That would be the Golden State Warriors. They lost to the Oklahoma City Thunder on Saturday, 130 to 123 after leading by as many as 18 points and were up three with 1.6 seconds remaining in regulation. Golden State remains winless on their homestand and lost the regular season series against the Thunder two to one. It's a pretty bad situation right now because up until the other night when this weekend when Andrew Wiggins dropped 31 up until that transpired. He was giving you nothing. He was giving you nothing. Let's just call it what it is. It was quite embarrassing to see what was transpiring. The only person that was giving you anything was Steph Curry. Now, this brother's approaching for 35 years of age. He's the greatest shooter God has ever created. He's averaging 30.3 points on 48% shooting. So Steph, Steph Curry is giving you what he's 
you expect him to give you and what he's supposed to give you. What the hell is Andrew Wiggins doing? Now, you don't have any personal issues, at least that we know of, like you did last year. What's your excuse to be on the court playing the way that you were playing up until this past week? You hit four three-pointers in the fourth quarter. You showed the pulse. You finished with 31. Congratulations to you. But Andrew Wiggins is averaging 12 points on 42% shooting. What the hell is that about? You better than that, bro. You better than that. Klay Thompson is a different animal. I've become very, very concerned about him. I usually don't worry about Klay Thompson. Klay Thompson is one of the greatest shooters in the history of basketball. Easily a top 10 shooter of all time. I would argue top five. He's a four-time champion. Religiously shoots better than 40% from three-point range throughout his career. But obviously he had a nasty knee injury. Um, in the finals against Toronto and never been the same since because he was out damn near two years. He's come back. He's had moments. Uh, I don't believe they win the NBA finals against Boston without him. He played an integral role, even though he wasn't Steph Curry. Andrew Wiggins could have easily been an MVP of that series instead of Steph Curry the way he played against Boston. He's got to get his act together, which I believe he will. Klay Thompson is a different animal. Because Klay Thompson wants his money. Klay Thompson, we know, can shoot. But right now, he's only averaging 13.8 points, 40.1% shooting from the field, 32.9% shooting from three-point range. I mean, my God, that is not the Klay Thompson we know and love. You're talking about the combination of Steph Curry and Klay Thompson being the greatest shooting backcourt in the history of basketball. You're talking about Klay Thompson being a sniper extraordinaire. You're talking about one of the greatest shooters the game has ever seen struggling, not just to make shots, but to get shots off. He is not getting shots off with the level of regularity he once did. So what does that mean? That means you can't get your own shot. That means you can't create enough space. That means defenders are figuring out how to defend you or you have shrunk, you have diminished you're not who you used to be. And I don't like saying this because Clay Thompson wants his money. He's in position to get a new contract. Getting paid about $43 million this year. Wants his money. And damn it, if he shows you as a shell of what he used to be, guess what? He would deserve it because he's a four-time champion and shooters don't die so easy. Athletic dudes do. If you are Russell Westbrook and your success is predicated on your athleticism, the minute that slips, you're done. Luckily for Russell Westbrook, that hasn't happened because he still has that athleticism available to him. That ain't Clay's game. Clay's a shooter. And as long as you can shoot and you can get that level of separation and get your shot off, your butter. You can make it happen. We don't know about that right now with him. And that's problematic. And so if you're Joe Lacob and you're Peter Goober and you're Warriors ownership, you got to think long and hard before you give Klay Thompson the money that he covers. Maybe it's time for Klay Thompson to go to the Los Angeles Lakers because that's the only place he'd want to go to if he's not retiring in Golden State. But if you can't get your shot off, that might be your best chance because LeBron James will get your open shots. Anthony Davis could get you open shots. Steph Curry could do that for you too. But then again, it's a bit harder for him because he's smaller in stature and size. Klay Thompson doesn't seem to be himself at all. And as a result, neither do the Warriors. You combine that with Draymond Green's suspension. 
him being out after putting Rudy Gobert in a chokehold. It's not a good situation in Golden State right now. But I've identified four problems, and guess what? Draymond Green isn't one of them. Draymond Green got a, zone, got a zero in and lock in and control himself a bit better. There's no doubt about that. But I think he'll be fine. Andrew Wiggins, you got to be aggressive. Klay Thompson, you got to find your shot, bro, and find a way to get off your shot, especially before you run into the likes of a Devin Booker who was busting your ass last year and was talking shit to you in the same breath. You got to watch out about that. But then you also got to worry about this with the Golden State Warriors. When is Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody going to show that they can be contributors to a championship equation? Y'all been there for a few years now. Same coach, same system, same teammates. What's the problem? What's the problem? At some point in time, them brothers got to step up. Otherwise, the Golden State Warriors, as we know it, meaning legit bona fide championship contenders, will fade into the twilight. Because I don't think the Lakers are going away. I know Denver's not going away. We haven't taken Memphis into account when Ja Morant gets back. Dallas is finding a way to win games. Do we really think that Phoenix is going to fade into the twilight with KD and Devin Booker? Minnesota's coming because Anthony Edwards has arrived. And Sacramento is here. I'm just telling y'all. I'm just telling y'all. Warriors got to get it together. If they don't, I'm not going to blame Joe Lacob one bit for moving in a completely different direction with a multitude of dudes. He's about winning championships. They've set the standard. There are others who have to step up to help them meet the standard. But that don't mean the ones who have done it already don't have to continue to do their jobs. That means you, Clay. It means you, Wiggins. Step up. Step up. 888-SAS-5303 is the number to call up. That's 888-727-5303. You are listening to the Stephen A. Smith Show right here over the digital airwaves of YouTube. It is my honor and privilege to have my next guest coming up. I can't wait to talk to this brother. He is the one and only Tom Brady. He's up next with yours truly. Don't touch that dial. This is the moment of a lifetime. Uh-huh. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? It is my honor and privilege to have my guest. I got to get right to it. I can't waste time with the GOAT, the greatest quarterback in the history of the National Football League. Pretty much great at every damn thing he does, for crying out loud. I'm talking about the one and only Tom Brady. What's up, big Tom? How are you, man? How's everything? I'm doing really well. Nice to see you. And, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of yours. So I think the opportunity to come on and talk to you is uh, I can't pass that up either. So it's nice that we're getting a chance to chop it up a bit. Well, well listen, man, I got to give you some credit where credit is due. You know, what I mean, I'm in the 50. I'm in the 50 plus range and stuff like that. But I see how good you're looking, how you take care of yourself. So I've been committing myself to getting in shape. I lost some weight. I cut out the cereal and the sugar. I'm trying to get yep. there, Tom. I'm trying to get there. It's a hard thing for everybody. I know I've been preaching this for years. I literally wrote a book on it because I thought it was so important to me in my career. And I was very fortunate, obviously, to play for as long as I did. But I did it because I was able to 
make the right decisions and I had the right information, I had the right people come into my life. So I think the important thing is when you meet people that have good information, you listen and you try to apply it to your own life. And then you can amazingly, like you've already seen, see the results. And it just makes you want to go deeper and deeper and deeper. So today I was out there doing sprints and I was, I was trying to really just stay on top of it. So, you know, I know one way and that's just to, to, to keep my bodies in the best shape I possibly can. How committed are you to keeping in shape and staying in shape now compared to when you were playing? I think very similar. I think I'm actually a little more disciplined now because I think with, with football is a lot of stress, you know, so you have different things that kind of come on and you're dealing with, you know, plain food and, you know, hotel food and the night before the game, the right after the game, and you know, you probably let yourself slip a little bit. Now that I don't have probably the daily stress that I had with football, because it's such an intensity, especially for this time of the season, all these football players, like I was watching yesterday, they've been at it since the end of July. So August, September, October, you know, almost the end of November, you're going on four months of football. So, you know, there's a lot of fatigue that sets in and, uh, it's a good time of year because this is where the teams that are really have done the right things over a long period of time start to get better. And the teams that make those daily decisions, even when they relate to, let's say, your nutrition's one thing, mm-hmm. your hydration's another, all your workouts, all those things add up over time. And I think that ultimately gives you an edge over the long over the course of the long season. I remember when you were playing, and obviously you, the TB12 is incredibly popular because it's associated with, with you, the, the, the greatest of all time. And a lot of people will look at it and they say, okay, what's going on with him? It, it, should we really follow his routine, et cetera, et cetera? When you look at the NFL players today, do yeah. you feel how receptive are they in your estimation to people, not just you, but people like you who are really fixated on educating them about, listen, this is what you need to do in order to be in tip-top condition because you're going to need this down the road, not just when you're playing. Do you find that NFL players and professional athletes overall are receptive to that? I think there's more awareness of probably the right decisions to make. The adoption of that, I'm not so sure. Mm. Um, I don't think the athletes have changed much since I really came into the NFL in in the year 2000. Mm. Very similar you know, everyone's big, everyone's fast, everyone's athletic. Everyone has a similar, you know, coming from the college background. I actually think college players were better prepared when I came out than they are now. Wow. Just because so many coaches are changing programs. And I, I would say there's not even a lot of college programs anymore. There's a lot of college teams, mm. but not programs that are developing players. So as they get delivered to the NFL, they may be athletic, but they don't have much of the skills developed to be a professional. When I played at Michigan, mm. I essentially played at a co- at a college program right. that was very similar to a pro environment. Okay. And I think parts of the things when I see these different players come in, they're not quite as prepared as they were. And I think the game is, has shown that over the last 12, 13 years, I think things have slipped a little bit and, you know, hopefully there's awareness around that. They can recreate it and, and, Build the build some of the product back. Like I believe that the it could be and the potential of it to really be and, and continue to grow like a lot of other areas in um, 
you know, in our country. Let me transition to football because you brought up Michigan. You played at Michigan, obviously. We know that. We know your affiliation with them. Your thoughts, I don't expect you to get too specific with all of this. None of us can. We weren't there. We don't know. But your thoughts about what transpired with Michigan and the whole Jim Harbaugh suspension and all of that stuff. What were your thoughts about that, watching that stuff unfold over the last few weeks? I think it's been a lot of things that's come up over the course of the season and and, and Michigan's one particular team. Now, a lot of the regulatory bodies are come in and and they want to, because they have jobs, they want to impose their jurisdiction, so to speak. And again, I I don't know necessarily what happened. The details, those really never came out that much. I certainly didn't hear much, but coach Harbaugh, I guess, accepted whatever he accepted and, you know, he's got to sit out this week, but teams rally. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's really about the guys on the field. They got to go out and do their job, mm-hmm. which is, you know, try to try to beat a great Ohio State team. So now it's, I'm, it's, it's I'm, old as time. I'm going to challenge you to be objective here. You got Michigan winning the national title? I mean, you, 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 you. I mean, is, is it Michigan? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. <laughs> Why? Because of that defense? Well, that defense is, is pretty is pretty unbelievable, and there's a quarterback that knows how to take care of the ball and mm. is playing really Change well. It. Plays big and big moments, and you know it's tough to to make it all the way to the end now. Like in college, it's you got to we got to win a lot of games here at the end and against really good teams. This is what why people really enjoy it. I love seeing college football when they get to these playoff situations too. Some of the college football where I see you know a big time college program play a directional Tennessee school, it, 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 it doesn't have the same luster as when you right. see some of these big programs play each other and compete. So I like seeing these guys compete when they're at big programs. They face off, you know, the Georgias, the Alabamas, the Michigans, Ohio States, you know, there's Oregon's got a, had a hell of a season this year. So I love seeing this all come together here at the end. I, I think there's probably a lot of games for these guys. I'm sure they're really worn out as college athletes, but it does provide for great television. I'm going to tell you what I love seeing. I love seeing when you were playing around and you were on, I don't know whether it was a podcast or whatever, you were playing around with Shador Sanders and primetime Deion Sanders and you alluded to, you know, get his ass in the film room. You was joking around and you were laughing about that. But I took it as you being halfway serious, like reminding these college athletes, whether you're a star, whether you're an average player that has an opportunity to elevate yourself to stardom, there's a, there's a price that you have to be willing to pay in order to achieve yeah. that. And there was something that I saw in you where that motivational speaker, that person that was inspiring young minds came into play and you were letting them know, listen, it all is, is glittering now, but all that glitters ain't gold. You're going to have to put in that work and keep on your grind and keep elevating. How important yeah. has that been for you? And how often do you do that where you're talking to college athletes and giving them that kind of counsel and that kind of advice at this point in time in your life? I think one thing that's been really fun for me the last 12 months has been my ability to use my voice to educate other people on some of the things that I've learned through a long career professionally, but also through college, high school. Ultimately, I was very fortunate to maximize the potential and the opportunities that were in front of me. And there's nothing more than I would love to see than other people do the exact same thing. So Shador was one example. I talked to guys about you know, what sustainable values and traits are in people, you know, discipline, determination, your work ethic, your attitude, all those things you can bring with you every single day. I think 
the challenge, I think, with what we're dealing with with young people today is they all have the ability to self-promote and get gratification from their own self-promotion. When we were young, for me to be on the cover of Sports Illustrated, like my idol, Michael Jordan, was a big deal. So, man, I had to do a lot of good things over the course of an NFL season to get recognition to be on the cover of a Sports Illustrated. That was unbelievable. I mean, I thought, holy shit, that was unbelievable for me. And I was in my seventh year. Now people have, these young athletes have hundreds of thousands, sometimes over a million plus people follow them on their social accounts. And they think that that there's something sustainable about that, Mm. you know, because you have people paying attention to you, but we used to be paid attention for excellence, right? Not for making ourselves to, to, to get some moment that people could see, uh, you know, us being like a jackass, right? You know, okay. We're going to pay attention to that because he jumped off a a balcony into a pool. Like, okay. Yeah. That may get a lot of clicks, but in the end, there's nothing sustainable about your excellence in that. So, I've always thought, great, if I'm going to deal with people, I want to see them achieve and maximize their potential. They have to do that through discipline, through hard work, through commitment, through teamwork. Mm -hmm. And if you do that, there's a great reward. It may not be this instant gratification of you posting something about yourself and everyone liking it. And I think we're in that cycle where people think that because people are paying attention, they're liking something that actually means something. And I think if you want to build something great, that's over a long period of time. You better you better do it, do the right things. You better be up early and staying late. You better care about your teammates. You better care about your organization, your coaches. You better communicate properly. You better figure out how to relate to your teammates. You know, you better have a work ethic. You better practice the right things and work hard at your recovery and and be focused during the season on what your job is. And I think even those things that like I said, convey to Shador in a very mm-hmm. short period of time, and I love him to death. But I want to do that for everybody because your social media account isn't going to determine how long your career is. The thing I think about, what's going to determine. The, the, the thing about it that I think is very, very important is because what you're saying, I think, is an easy message for NFL players to receive because the business of the NFL keeps you humble. You could be here today, going tomorrow, and grown men inside that locker room get it. The college athlete, however, it's a tougher challenge, not just because of their youth and their being oblivious to the business aspect of it all, but also because of the things that you're saying, that level of popularity, you achieve it in college, you think that's supposed to carry over and it's going to be sustainable. And I think it's far, far, far more difficult for you to pull that off. So I think you're absolutely right, Tom. Have you thought about it in that light? The fact that the NFL, the business climate of the NFL, basically forces you receiving that message that you just articulated a hell of a lot easier than college sports does for you in this day and age. I think college sports is, and you know, there's a, I know it's different now with the NIL, but there was an amateur aspect to college sports. And you went to school, but you also played sports. Now there's obviously more professionalism in college sports, not to the magnitude of a pro sport, because that essentially is your career. That's all your day. All your day is thinking about how do I prepare for next game? whether it's on Sunday, whether it's Saturday. So you've got to, they're very different, you know, and I think as you grow and mature, I think college, you know, is different too because you have a similar, everyone's 18, 19, 20, 21. You know, when you go to pro football, you have 22-year-olds, you have 35-year-olds. You have, you know, if you're a young player, you need to close the gap on a lot of those older players who maybe 
have 10 years more experience. And if you're an older player, you got to keep your body in shape to keep up with the younger skill sets and, and uh, of, let's say a 22 or 23 year old. Right. So I think that's the real challenge, you know, as, as an older player is how do you stay physically in a great place? Mm-hmm. I think as a younger player, the challenge is how do I learn as much as I can about this sport and to be a professional so I can have a career where they pay my second contract, mm-hmm. they pay my third contract. Mm-hmm. Those are all challenging things. People don't, there's very few people that get a chance to do that. Mm-hmm. And if you are one of those people you and, and you have the skill and you have the discipline, you have the determination, you have the opportunity to make a great career for yourself and for, for you and for your family. Cause that's, you know, we, we got all, we all got to pay the bills. Tom, where did you get it from? There's a lot of people out here. They could get it from different places. It could be mentors. It could be your parents. It could be uh, the people that you associate with. It could be your own internalized discipline or what have you. If you, yeah. when you look at what you've accomplished and then you look at the career, the path that you have built for yourself post post football career, what do you attribute that most to? If there was one thing above that stood above all else, I had a great foundation with my parents. My parents were, you know, they gave me great roots. They had great values. Um, I, 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 the right people came into my life at the right time. This is all about people that came into my life. You know, I was, I, my, my high school coaches came into my life and, and taught me so much about teamwork, camaraderie, you know, fellowship. I got recruited to Michigan. There was an ultimate team program at Michigan when I was there. I had a sports psychologist, Greg Harden, come into my life, who was unbelievable, helped transform my mindset in a lot of different ways. Got drafted by the Patriots. Bill Belichick came into my life. I wanted it to, to maintain my body. Alex Guerrero came into my life. Um, wanted to continue to work on my throwing mechanics. Tom House came into my life. Um, you know, my children came into my life. My parents continued to support me. So a lot of people that had that wanted to see me, you know, really maximize my potential too. That's a lot of people that help cultivate that. This is nothing in life to achieve as an individual. You need a lot of amazing people around you. And it is your team. It's the team that supports you off the field. And then ultimately it's your teammates on the field. And I'm very fortunate to have so many amazing people in my life that, um, that surrounded me and empowered me and, and, and brought me up when I lost a little confidence. And then, you know, took me back down when I maybe got a little overconfident. So when, all those things were really important. When, when did you lose confidence, Tom Brady? When, when did that happen? When did that happen? I, I think there's times where I walked into the locker room and I thought after, after a day of practice in Foxborough and I thought, man, I'm the worst quarterback <laughs> in the NFL. How could they even pick a play in the end on game day? Right. And because you go out there some days and it's just, you know, not your best day. And, and I think those players that put a lot of pressure on themselves in practice to perform, those are the ones when you get to the game that perform really well. So many guys want to take it easy in practice. Oh, let me just make the week. I was someone I really wanted to push this in practice. I wanted to see what we we're made of. Mm-hmm. And if, if we were going to perform at a high level and we were going to be there when it really mattered at the end of, of, of the game, I wanted to see us do it in practice. And if we did in practice, mm-hmm. I had a lot of belief that we we're out there on Sunday. I'd go in the huddle. Fellas, we've done this before. We know exactly what to do. Come on, you know, we got we got a minute and a half. This is right where we wanted to be. Mm. You know, so a lot of it was let's push ourselves as much as we can. You know, ultimately you play how you practice. Mm. And you better go out there and practice well. And certainly in a team environment, you know, you've got to 
got to get all the other guys to and, practice well, too. And when was Tom Brady overconfident or cocky? We've seen Mr. I mean, you always come across as humble. You always say the right things. I mean, you you, you would uh, you and Derek Jeter are the two most perfect dudes. I told Derek uh, Jeter this a few weeks ago. I said, I can't find a bad quote from Derek Jeter. I can't find one. When were you overconfident? When did that happen? I think it, football humbles us all a little bit. You know, I think football is a humbling sport, but you're right. I love Derek Jeter too. And he was one of the guys that I always looked up to as, cause I, I felt like he always did it the right way. You know, he had a great organization behind him, following the footsteps of so many amazing athletes. And he goes in there and he makes his own mark in his own way. He does everything the right way on and off the playing field. And, um, uh, you know, I admire him so much for everything that he accomplished. But you're right. Those are the people that I hope the young athletes can look at athletes like that who did it the right way, who just never cheated himself, never cheated the game, gave everything he had. His teammates all loved him. And, uh, you know, in the end, that all gives back to you in the end because you have all those memories. You have all those relationships. And, you know, you're going to look back on your life and be pretty proud of what you accomplished. Listen, man, before, before I get into that, because I want to get into your podcast, I really want to let everybody know about what you and Jim Gray, Larry Fitzgerald are doing. Let's go, uh, your podcast. But I, I got to say, I got to ask you about this transition into football. What has it been like for you watching this year's version of the New England Patriots, your former team, struggle the way that it has struggled. Two and eight on the season. Mac Jones being screamed at by, you know, Bill O'Brien. I, I mean, I've seen you argue with Bill O'Brien before, so that's nothing new, but I've never seen that. It was just a yeah. bad, bad look for Mac Jones. Yeah. Make no mistake about it. What has that been like for you watching the New England Patriots this year and the way they've struggled? I think it's hard to, to see a team struggle that you care about so many of the people involved. Um, I, I would say this, football is a hard sport. And I think it speaks to when the teams do put it all together and they do a lot of things the right way. And you see this sustained success like the Niners did in the 90s, like we were able to do, like the Cowboys were in the 70s uh, and in the 90s, too. The Buffalo Bills, even they're lost. When you when you do things the right way, you're rewarded for it. And when things aren't necessarily the right way, it's hard to win. And, you know, they have a lot of pieces in New England that. Do, do things the right way. But the margin of error is super slim. Right. One, one pass, one catch, one interception, one tackle. Winning football games in the NFL is hard. And there's a lot of, I, I think there's a lot of mediocrity in today's NFL. Yeah. I don't see the excellence that I saw in the past. Why not? And Why not? I, Why do you I think, think that is? I think the coaching isn't as, as good as it was. I don't think the development of young players is as good as it was. I don't think the schemes are as good as they were. I think the, the, fish, the rules have uh, the rules have allowed a lot of bad habits to get into the actual performance of the game. Mm -hmm. So I just think the product, in my opinion, is less than what it's been. I think guys are competitive. Guys play hard. I look at a lot of players like Ray Lewis and Rodney Harrison and Ronnie Lott and guys that impacted the game in, in a certain way. And every hit they would have made would have been a penalty, mm. you know, and I, I, you know, your coach is complaining about their own player being tackled and not necessarily why don't they talk to their player about how to protect himself, how to get rid of the ball, how to throw it, how to run out of bounds, how to get down, how to lower your pad level. I, we used to work on the fundamentals of those things all the time. Now they're trying to be regulated all the time. Mm. You know, I think that the offensive players need to protect themselves. It's not up to the defensive player to protect the offensive player. A defensive player needs to protect himself. 
you shouldn't ask the offensive player to protect him. And I think a lot of the way that the rules have come into play have allowed this. You can essentially play carefree, and then if anyone hits you hard, there's a penalty. And it's very different than how I play. We, I didn't throw the ball to certain areas because I was afraid players were going to get knocked out. Mm-hmm. That's the reality. Wow. I didn't throw it to the middle when I played Ray Lewis because you knock them out of the game, and I couldn't afford to lose a good player. So guys like that, the only, the only way to beat skill was physicality. Mm. And that was a physical sport. You don't get to a boxing match and say, I want to beat you, but I don't really want to hit you that hard. <laughs> you know, it's up to you. As a, it, now, the rest there, just make sure nothing is done unfairly or, you know, hit below the belt. There's a few rules. Right. I believe that if players have an opportunity to protect themselves, they need to protect themselves. Am I off kilter when I said this? Because I've said this publicly. I certainly would never advocate that Bill Belichick be gone. He's the greatest coach, arguably the greatest coach to have ever lived, and there is no debating that. What I have said, however, is that just like you thought it was time for you to move on, there may be, it may come a point where Bill Belichick thinks it's, thinks it's time for him to move on to something new and for New England to start anew because the era of Tom Brady and Bill Belichick has passed. Am I off kilter or any of us off kilter in your mind when we say something like that? I think he's an incredible coach. He's the best coach in my belief in the, in the history of the game. So, I mean, I don't know. Get, uh, the thought of him not being in New England is hard for me to think about. Wow. So I, I think he's, he's, he prepares the team really well. And ultimately, you got to have a lot of people around you to succeed. You got to have mm-hmm. a lot of things in place for the organization to be successful. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's probably coaching much difference now than when we were undefeated in 2007. Right. I'm sure he's preparing the team the same way. The results are different. But again, that's why the sport's so challenging. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of reasons why teams win or lose. The head coach is a very small part on game day. Yes. And the quarterback plays a really big part on game day. Not mm-hmm. the entire thing, but because you touch the ball, you have a big opportunity to impact the game. So if you get good quarterback play, and that says nothing about, you know, I'm just talking in general about football, right. you know, you got an advantage. If you play really good defense, you got a, a, a great advantage. I mean, you need a good defensive coordinator. You know, there's a, ultimately it's a lot of things coming together, why things work and why they don't. When people look at Tom Brady, they're like, okay, you're not playing football anymore. You're always doing big things. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, people don't really – got a media company, religion of sports. Let's not forget that. You're, you, you've got a multitude of investments. You know what you're doing. Um, you've got – you're supposed to be on, on television. We've been waiting to see you calling games. Wait till next season, I assume. Yeah. That's when you're going to be doing that with that huge big-time contract, well-deserved, by the way, that you got from Fox Sports. When you look at your life at this stage and point right now, and let's not forget the Let's Go podcast because I've been a guest on there with you and my brother Jim Gray. You know, I love y'all. Larry Fitzgerald's my dude as well. How are you feeling about your life at this particular moment in time with all that you're doing and all that you've accomplished? I'm very blessed. I just, I, I, I look at the opportunities that I've had in my career and now in the second part of my career. And I just love being around the different people. Certainly I love being a good teammate and I've surrounded myself over the years with great people who advised me the right way, you know, brought me into the right areas for growth. Things that I couldn't have had happen had I not met these particular, particular people. So I love health, health and wellness and longevity. I love sports. Um, and, and that's what I want to be involved in for the, for the rest of my life. So I love being, preparing for this new opportunity at Fox and broadcasting, talk to some amazing people who have given me great information. And now it's about, you know, taking the time to really, you know, prepare and, and get out there and give, give people what they want, which is, you know, to add a little, 
pers- my perspective to the game every single week. So I was right when I just speculated and I said to people, look, man, he's taking that year off because he's doing what Tom Brady does, preparing himself for that new role, being in the booth every weekend and calling these games. He didn't just want to run from one job to another. He's spending this year preparing for that. I was right in saying that. Absolutely. I think there's a big part of me that, look, football – I transitioned out of one sport and I needed time to take a breather. You know, I've been on that hamster wheel for a long time. And, um, you know, I just to recalibrate a lot of different things that I've had going on personally and professionally. So uh, my relationship with my kids is super important to me. Make sure I'm there for them. They've been there for so many of my events and moments, and I want to be there for them too. And, mm-hmm. and to really organize and build things the right way so that this next chapter of my life can be equally successful. Anything you do is a priority. So being in the booth calling NFL games, doing color for NFL games is going to be a big-time priority for you, and I get that. But is there something else that stands out in your mind? I imagine everything that you do, you're going to go full throttle with your business ventures and what have you, the media company that you're building, the podcast that you have. But when you talk about being a voice and providing a voice to really, really help uplift and inspire, how much does that podcast play a role in all of that? Huge. I think the ability to have a voice and communicate in a different way to people to inspire them and help them aspire to be the best that they can be. They don't have to be Tom Brady. They just have to be the Tom Brady of their life. They have to be the Stephen A of their life. They have to get the most out of themselves. But that's daily choices. And I think we have to understand that because we make a daily choice, it doesn't always happen in the moment that that immediate gratification may take a little time. Mm -hmm. And the more good we do and the better decisions we make, the better opportunities we have. And I think the better opportunities I've had um, just based on trying to make the right decisions and treating people the right way. You know, before I let you get on out of here, man, Tony Romo is great in the booth. But I, I come from the days of Pat Summerall and, and John Madden and, and I, I idolized Howard Cosell and uh, Al Michaels is still around doing his thing. I mean, you got a host of other people that are doing great, great work in this industry. I love and respect all of them. But there is... Something that comes with it, Tom Brady, you got you got to call it like you see it and you might have to. I mean, and knowing yeah. football the way that you do, you're going to be like Peyton Manning and others where you could see stuff ahead of time and you know exactly yeah. what the rest of us don't know. Are you prepared to be perceived as a bad guy from time to time? I think that's OK. You know, I think we all we're, I'm going to do the best I could do. I don't have any agenda other than to hopefully uplift the sport in a positive way. I mean, I want to see players play at their best. And if I can ever help those players play a little bit better, that's what I want to do. I want to see the game grow. I'd love to see the product get better. I'd love to see more accountability on both sides of the ball. I'd love to see the referees do a better job. The organizations support their players in better ways. All of it is about, you know, how do you take this amazing entity that we have in sports that brings our communities together and allow it to shine on a big stage. So I'm okay with, you know, I'm going to do my, like I said, my very best, how people perceive that there's no scoreboard at the end of this, just like for you, but I'm going to give it, I'm going to go in there with, with, with everything I got. Last question, Super Bowl favorites in each conference. Who do you got at this moment? I think chiefs Eagles, similar to last year, really? you know, those are the teams that have played, consistently well over a long period of time. I mean, Patrick gives the team an advantage every time he takes the field. And I think the way that the Eagles can run the ball and play defense gives them a big advantage. So it's going to be tough to get through those teams. I mean, look, anything's possible. It's the NFL. So any team on on a Sunday has the opportunity. They don't play well. Like in 07, Patriots-Giants Super Bowl, we didn't play our best. We Another team played really well. They beat us. So 
how you get to that game, there's a lot of things that matter between now and then. But those teams have been really consistent the last two years. I'm a little surprised you didn't mention San Francisco, but thank God you didn't mention the Cowboys. I appreciate you. I appreciate you, my man. I appreciate you. I know the Niners are, Niners are pretty good, too. I got Niners you. are pretty good, too. The great Tom Brady, man. I appreciate you so much taking time out of your busy schedule, man. Thank you so much for being on my show, man. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Great seeing you. Thank Take you, care, buddy. Welcome back to the Stephen A. Smith Show right here over the digital airwaves of YouTube. Just want to take a moment to give my sincere gratitude and thanks to the great one himself, Tom Brady, the seven-time Super Bowl champion, Tom Brady, blessing us with his time and his presence. Going to be on Fox Sports calling football games next season. You heard about the multitude of business ventures he's involved in. The man is just a phenomenal, phenomenal success story and a role model for so many people out there. So really, really appreciate him coming on to the show. I'll get to my closing remarks about Angel Reese, star at LSU, the reigning defending national champion, LSU Tigers, and some of the problems that she's got going on there. Um, Of course, I'll be touching on that, and I'll get to your calls in a minute. But I need to touch on other news. Last Wednesday... Representative Chip Roy of Texas, Republican Representative Chip Roy of Texas, spoke on the floor of the House of Representatives to express his frustration with the current state of his party and the new elected speaker, Mike Johnson. Listen to this. One thing. I want my Republican colleagues to give me one thing, one, that I can go campaign on and say we did. One. Anybody sitting in the complex, if you want to come down to the floor and come explain to me one material, meaningful, significant thing the Republican majority has done besides, well, I guess it's not as bad as the Democrats. See, I love that. I love that. And by the way, I'm not a proponent or an advocate of the government being shut down and people's lives being profoundly affected. Of course, I don't want a government shutdown. Of course, I don't want federal employees to be denied pay and stuff like that because the government can't get their act together. But why do I feel it's important to deviate from the world of sports to touch on something like this? Because ladies and gentlemen, regardless of whether or not I disagree with his position, because he's fighting for funding and policy battles, and he was willing to shut down the government, and I don't agree with that, I still want to take a moment to applaud the Republican himself from Texas, Mr. Chip Roy. I want to do that. You know why? Because he called out his own. That's why. See, we live in a society today where everybody thinks that, you know what, if you're on the right, so we got to march lockstep with the right. If we're on the left, we got to march lockstep with the left. We got people who are family members, who have been friends with one another all their lives, who are colleagues for decades. The list goes on and on. Teammates in the world of sports and beyond. No one disagrees. No one agrees, rather, on everything. No one. But the way our government runs in this day and age, that's how they act. And it was refreshing to see an elected official call out his own. Because that's somebody you can trust. Whether you agree with his policies or not, that's a different subject. The fact is he was willing to call out his own. He's not willing to sit up there and just march lockstep with a whole bunch of people on the right just because they're on the right where he's at. He's like, no, if you're wrong, you're wrong. If I believe you're right, I'll say so. If I believe you're wrong, I'll say so. That is what we send elected officials to Capitol Hill to do. 
And that's exactly what they're not doing. Do you realize in this day and age, the hardest part about being a politician is the campaign? Once you get elected, you don't even have to read the bills. All you have to do is see what side your side of the aisle is voting on and you can go ahead and vote. Why you think people are able to stay in office until they're 90 years old? Like the late, great Diane Feinstein, God rest her soul. Why do you think we see elected officials making careers out of being politicians? Because they don't have to work. They don't have to work. All they have to do is say, what are you voting? What are you voting? What are you voting on this side? I'm rolling with you. If you're on the left, what are you voting? What are you voting? All right, I'm rolling with you. They don't even have to read bills. You want to know why strife exists in this country? Why there's such a divide? Why people are so volatile, so rambunctious? Why chaos seems to be fomenting with each and each passing day? It's because we're a nation who is devoid of leadership. That's why. I never want to be a politician. I never wanted to go out there and curry votes and shake hands and kiss babies and all of that other stuff. And I got to depend on 435 folks in Congress and another 100 people in the Senate in order for me to get bills passed and stuff like that. That's why I never desired to do it. But my God, if I thought that I could have an impact and I could win, I barely know a speck of what these people on Capitol Hill know. And I know I do a better job because at least I care about America. Not just Myself. Representative Chip Roy should be applauded. Because he's willing to call out his own about their negligence. And their hypocrisy. I applaud that man. And so should you. 888-727-5303. That's 888-SAS-5303. That is the number to call into the Stephen A. Smith show right here over the digital airwaves of YouTube. Let's get to the lines before I get on out of here. Remember, I got a closing remark about Mr. Angel, Mrs. Angel Reese, Miss Angel Reese, that everybody needs to hear, especially all you young whippersnappers out there. Angel Reese, closing remark coming up. But let's get to the phones. Brian in New Jersey, you're live with Stephen A. What's up, Brian? Yo, what's going on, Stephen A? Talk to me. I'm curious who you think the Sixers should be trading for if they really want to be able to make it to the finals or beat the Bucks or Celtics. Well, first of all, of people on, talking. On, stop, stop, stop. I can't stand when y'all do that. Don't ask me a question and then answer. You ask me a question, let me answer the question for you. Go There's not it. much out there, but I would tell you if they could get Zach Levine, they should get him. You see, the difference between Zach Levine and James Harden is that James Harden was a guy that you've given the point guard to. So he would take the ball out of the hands of Tyrese Maxey. Zach Levine will get the ball from Tyrese Maxey. So Tyrese Maxey still has the ball in his hands. He's still running the show, but he's devoid of the scoring obligations he presently has because he's your second best offensive option on the Philadelphia 76ers. Zach Levine doesn't want to be in Chicago. A blind person could see that. OK, he doesn't want to be there anymore. He wants to be in a better situation for himself in Philadelphia with Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey certainly would qualify. I don't know what you would give up for him, particularly with the exorbitant dollars he's making. But clearly, he doesn't want to be in Chicago any longer. And if I'm the Philadelphia 76ers, would I make a move to try and get my hands on Zach Levine from Chicago? You're damn right I would. 
Go ahead. Now you can ask your follow up question real quick. You think that's a better pairing than someone like Siakam or Markkinen? You know why I say not Markkinen, not Markkinen. Now. And I don't think you was going to let go of Markkinen. So let's get that out the way right now. Yeah. But I will tell you this. It is a better deal than Siakam. You know why? Because I think Siakam needs to do to, to he needs the ball more in order to make things happen. See, Zach Levine is a Skywalker. He get to the hole. He's ready to dunk it on you. He's great in the open court. He can hit some threes and some perimeter shots. But he doesn't need the ball for the exorbitant amount of time that Siaka might need it, in my opinion, in order to make things happen. I think Zach Levine fits in uh, rhythm-wise with the Philadelphia 76ers, specifically Maxie and Joel Embiid, better than Siakam would. That's what my belief is, and that's where I'm coming from with that. I appreciate the call, though, man. Thank you so much. Jamal in Baltimore. You're live with Stephen A. What's up, Jamal? How are you? What's up, Stephen A? Big fan. Talk to well, you. I, I, I need you to raise your voice okay. a little bit because got my audience listening to you. I need you to raise your voice a little bit, bro. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Two questions. First one is, I'm a Colts fan. What do you think about Anthony Richardson and what the Colts have been since he's arrived, even though he's clearly injured, but since he's arrived and what, what your prediction is? For I got to tell you, I he's better than I – he was better than I expected him to be, you know, coming out of college. Coming out, I expect mm-hmm. I didn't expect him to be as good as he was. Now I still don't believe he would have been C.J. Stroud, but he certainly would have been mm-hmm. better than Gardner Minshew or anybody else they got. I would tell you that the Colts I think would probably be about a couple of games better than they are right now. I'd give him about two games where he would have impacted them in a positive way. I'll give him that, and I think that he's got a bright future. What's your second question? All right, last thing, based upon Trevor Lawrence. C.J. Stroud and the potential greatness of Anthony Richardson. Do you see the ASL uh, being a strong, you know, division in the AFC? I think so. I think so. I I don't know if it's going to be as strong as the AFC North because you got Joe Burrow, uh, Lamar Jackson, and obviously a Deshaun Watson. If you got those three brothers healthy, I don't think there's too many people in the NFL that would have a better division in the AFC South. But I'm sorry, the AFC North. But in the South... Richardson, again, he's got a lot of promise. Stroud is a rookie. He's a flat-out stud. It's not even a talk. It's not even a discussion about who's the offensive rookie of the year. It's not even a discussion about it. It's clearly him. Coach of the year, by the way, would be D'Amico Ryan's between him and Dan Campbell in Detroit. That's my personal opinion. Originally, originally I was a bit premature thinking D'Amico, D'Amico, D'Amico. But Dan Campbell in Detroit and the job that he's doing in the NFC North, there is no question that he's in a conversation for coach of the year. But I would tell you with Trevor Lawrence on the come up, with C.J. Stroud, if Anthony Richardson is what you hope he would be, what I hope he will be, then the AFC North is going to have something to say. But I still don't believe that eclipses what we've seen, what we're seeing, or what we would see in the AFC North. Because Lamar Jackson is a former league MVP. Uh, Joe Burrow took to, to Cincinnati Bengals to the Super Bowl two years ago, and Deshaun Watson. We know what a stud he's capable of being, even though he didn't look like that this year before he got hurt. I appreciate the call, though, man. Thank you so much. Let's go to Hassan in New York. You're live with Stephen A. What's up, Hassan? What's up, Stephen A., man? It's me. been a hard season being a Chargers fan. No, tell me about how it. Long, oh, how much longer until Brandon Staley's out? He got to be out today. He, Hassan, he, he need to go today. He need to go today. Like, like after I do this show, I'm going to dinner. He, he should be gone by the time I get to dinner. Seriously. Yeah, it's been awful. Every it's game, ridiculous. every week, 
It's ridiculous. He done, he, listen, you can't have the squad that he got. Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen, even though Keenan Allen dropped that damn touchdown pass, but mistakes happen. Nobody's flawless. But but Justin Herbert and the crew, how the hell do you have? You lose five games by three points less. You're making one bad call after another. You got one of the worst defenses in the National Football League, and you're a former defensive coordinator. I mean, come on, man. And, 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 not, and not only that, you can spot Hassan. You know I'm telling the truth when I say this, brother. You can spot when a cat just ain't a leader of men. You can spot it. That, yeah, and that's definitely he, not a not. leader of men. He's not. And by the way, let me say this to you, because you might not have thought about this. When you coach in places like L.A., Miami, stuff like that, you really, really got to be a leader of men. Because grown-ass men can become <laughs> boys in environments like that, in a heartbeat. It's just too many damn distractions. It's too many, it's too many distractions. Look, son, yeah. it's too many distractions. You too mean, many. You feel what I'm saying? It's, it's too many distractions. You need a so man being do? a leader what, what of men. What best course of action is? Well, you got to fire him. Fire. You got to fire him. And then you go get Bill Belichick. You go oh, get yeah. somebody like that. Okay. You got you to get somebody like him or a veteran. You know what? Let me tell you something right now. I wouldn't rule out Rex Ryan. You know why? Because Rex what? Ryan, nobody. That's my colleague at ESPN. My day job. My colleague's on NFL Countdown. Okay? He's on Get Up on Monday mornings. Rex Ryan. Y'all think I'm crazy. Let me tell you why I say that. Because Rex Ryan, no one has ever questioned his ability to coach defense. And you just leave Kellen Moore as your offensive coordinator. Yes, and you call it a day. Now, nobody's yes, Bill Belichick, but outside of Bill Belichick, would I go after Rex Ryan and put him in L.A.? Because guess what we wouldn't be saying about the Chargers defense? We wouldn't be saying they're poor, and we wouldn't be saying they're soft. Not defense. Not with Rex Ryan. Not with Rex Ryan. I would let – if I can't get Bill Belichick – let me tell you something right now. You call me crazy because I know you got your staff in place. Right now. I would, if I couldn't get Bill Belichick, I would fire Brandon Staley and I would hire Rex Ryan right now to be the head coach for the Los Angeles Chargers for the rest of the season. I'm serious. I'm serious. Appreciate you, man. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Let's go to Tyler in North Carolina. You're live with Stephen A. What's up, Tyler? Hey, thanks for taking my call. Uh, that last guy actually answered my first question. Okay. Um, or you answered the first question about the Chargers firing Staley and who are okay. some of the coaches you would see as a good fit. But my second one, is with the GM being Tom Telesco hiring Staley, Lynn McCoy, um, should they fire him as well? Yeah, clean house. Hey, clean house. You want me to tell you why I would clean house with them too? For holding on to Staley this long. That's my only reason. Now, if ownership made that decision, that's different because you're taking in the Spaniels and those boys taking into account finances and stuff like that. They don't want to make that certain commitment. This ain't Texas A&M money, that oil money down there where you could pay Jimbo <laughs> Fisher 76 to 79 million. Not to coach. This ain't that. This is different in the NFL. So, it, it, listen, I'm not going to hold management accountable if owners above them saying, nah, he ain't going anywhere. But if it was their decision to hold on to Staley this long, I'd let them go too. I'd let them go too. That's just me. And I think history kind of shows, history shows that Spanos, they never, they never fired they better, people. They better in, figure it out. They better season. figure it out because they blow blowing yep. the season. I yep. got to get on out of here, Tyler. Yep. I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Let's go to Luke. Appreciate Last caller in Denver. Luke, you're live with Stephen A. What's up, Luke? How are you? 
I'm good, Stephen A. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, I was just wondering why you hate Nikola Jokic in the Nuggets. What? Hate him? Yeah. I told him I picked them to win the chip. I've called Nikola Jokic the best player in basketball, and you can't find a bigger fan of Jamal Murray than me, even though he hurt. You can't find a bigger fan of Jamal Murray than me. What the hell are you talking about? Now, you picked them against the Heat, sure. Anybody coming out of the West would have. I picked them against the, the Lakers. You didn't pick them against the Suns. I did. Yes, I did. And this year, you got the Celtics. I picked, so what? That's not hating on them. I think I thought they were going to beat the Lakers. I think they're going to beat. I think I thought they were going to beat the Miami Heat. I got Jokic as the best player in basketball. I got Jamal Murray as a stud. The brother sees me and gives me a hug every time he sees me for a reason, bro. What are you talking about? I don't hate on them. The only the only thing that I've been critical of Denver is that damn my high altitude, man. And, ben, and damn it, it get cold up there than y'all willing to admit. I was cold there in June. I think it's a, I think it's a, you know, it's a home field advantage type thing, okay, you know? Then you could, uh, well, that's fine, but I ain't got to like it. Now let me ask you a question. Okay. Now let me ask you a question. Let me ask, look, 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 let's be real, because you, you're my brother. You called into the show. You family, you family, right? You family. Yes, sir. Look, 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 check this out. You live in Denver, right? Yes, sir. Where you go to vacation? Oh, the beach. <laughs> <laughs> where you go? Where you go? Where you go to vacation, Luke? Tell the truth. Hey, sometimes where, you go. No, 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 no. Answer the question. Answer the question. Where you go? Where do you go? I like the warmer climate, Stephen. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I feel you. I, I, my audience heard you. You like the warmer climate, my brother. You ain't on camera. You on camera, but they don't see you. They hear you. I'm asking you a direct question. Where specifically do you go? I mean. Late in Miami, been to LA, and I, I like those places. That, that, whole and you calling up here to complain to me? Look, <laughs> you you hilarious, Luke. So in other words, you sat up there, you said, "Why do I? I'm a native New Yorker. I'm unapologetic about the fact that my dream scenario is Miami and LA every June. I don't apologize for it. I don't hide it. Right? I you accuse me of hating on Denver. You live in Denver." You from Denver, and you just told me when you go on vacation, it's to Miami and L.A., and we got a problem? I mean, you know, I'm just, I'm Come, getting away. Give it, up to, your, give it up to your boy. Say, Stephen A., you my boy. Say, Stephen A., you, you my, my boy. boy. You got you, you got me, Stephen A. You my boy. Call back tomorrow, man. You need to stop that, man. Love <laughs> you, bro. He tried to get slick. Go ahead. I ain't mad at you, though, bro. I ain't mad at you. He's sitting up there complaining and stuff like that. Stop that. We going to Miami or L.A.? That weather, that Southern California sunshine or South Beach. I just, I just shiver. Just think about South Beach. Let me get myself composed. Let me get myself composed for South Beach. Let me move on to a more serious subject, all games aside, because... I need to get up and talk about something in the second LSU star, Angel Reese. She did not travel with her team for their 73 to 50 victory over Southeastern Louisiana on Friday. If you remember three days earlier, she had gotten benched against Kent State. Okay. Prior to missing that game, you know, she was benched in the second half of the Lady Tigers comfortable 109-79 went over Kent State. Coach Kim Mulkey refused to answer questions on the matter when asked about it, by the way. Look at this. You want me to explain why? It's very obvious Angel is not in uniform. Angel is a part of this basketball team, and we hope we see her sooner than later. Does that mean it was her decision? I'm not, I'm not going to answer anymore. That's it. That's all y'all need to know. Okay? Actually, that is not more we need to know. The days of amateurism are over. 
You see, these players get paid now, albeit not by the university. So I don't agree with Coach Mulkey about that. But I do get a point. Remember, Angel Reese broke her silence on the matter, but did respond on the situation by tweeting out the fans this. Please do not believe everything you read. That's what she said. In defense of Andrew Reese, let me tell you why that's incredibly important. Because there were people out there throwing out rumors that there was problems in the classroom. That's bullshit. First of all, we don't know that to be true. But the reason why I say it's BS and I call BS on it is because if she had academic issues, you knew that before halftime of Kent State. So why would you bench at halftime, okay, for the second half of the game, but let her play the first half if it was an academic issue? Clearly, that's not what's going on here. I'm speculating. I do not know. But it's time that I sit up there, that I stood here, rather, and just gave a closing comment about Angel Reese. I want you to know something, Angel Reese, and this message is directly for you. You are an absolutely wonderful, marvelous, young black lady. You made us proud last year. You continue to make us proud even now. You're a national champion. You're a first-team All-American. You win six straight games in the NCAA tournament, averaging a double-double. You did it all. And then look at how it paid off for you. You see all of these photos that I'm showing up here, throwing out the first pitch for the Baltimore Orioles? You know, showing up everywhere, being a woman about town because that's what champions do. Let's not forget the NAL valuations. You made about $1.7 million, okay? And just to give it the, some stats out there for everybody to watch, let's go down the list of the top-notch individuals in the world of name, image, and likeness and who profited off of it. You got Bronny James, LeBron's son at $5.9 million. You got Shador Sanders, primetime Deion Sanders' son, the star quarterback at Colorado at $4.5 million. Okay, you've got this girl Livy at $3.3 million. Livy Dunn from LSU, she's a gymnast at $3.3 million. Arch Manning, okay, one of the, a member of the Manning family, now a quarterback at Texas, tied with Kayla Williams of USC at fourth at $2.8 million. You got Travis Hunt at the sixth spot at $2.2 million. And then you got Angel Reese at $1.7 million. That is what she earned with name, image, and likeness. So couple that with the 5.2 million social media followers that she has. Look at all the brand deals that she has. Coach, Amazon merch, McDonald's, Sparkling Ice, Xfinity, Outback Steakhouse, Discord. These are all the deals she has while she's a college student. Well, here's here's the problem with that. And Angel Reese, I hope you're listening to this. Notice that your popularity and your celebrity is elevated. So much so that you decided not to go to class anymore on campus. You'll take your courses online because the popularity was so extreme, it was getting in the way of your studies. That's basically what you told folks. Having said all of that, if it got in the way of your studies, I ask a simple and respectable question. What else did it get in the way of? Why would the coach of a reigning defending national champion who you helped win the national championship? Remember when you was throwing up your finger to Caitlin Clark at Iowa in the national championship game? Remember when you were doing all of that? Remember when you were the woman about town thereafter? Whether, remember when you was wearing that braggadocio on your sleeve? Remember all of that? Is it possible that because of the fame, the celebrity, 
and the newfound dollars that came into your coffers, that all of that changed. And with it, there was a slight change in you. And the coach noticed and said, "Okay, I have to do something about this. We don't know. I certainly don't know. Don't cover LSU. But it's a worthy question to ask because I can't believe that the coach of a reigning defending national champion, knowing your greatness and how valuable you are to the success, to the overall success of the team and what your goals and aspirations are, would choose to make that decision about you. Is it possible that there's been some alterations in your attitude that forced the kind of things that have been transpiring over the last week. You getting benched and ultimately not showing up for another game. It's a worthy question to ask because you're only 21 years of age. It's entirely plausible and possible that you might have been smelling yourself just a little bit. And it's not a crime and it doesn't make you wrong and it doesn't make you a bad person. But the reason why these questions are justified in being asked is because Kim Mulkey, for better or worse, has always been Coach Mulkey. The same person that we see talking to the media, the same person that we see coaching on those sidelines, the same person that we saw win a championship last year is the same coach we've been watching for years. We watched her say things that have offended people. We watched her say things that have put off people. We've also watched her not care one iota She's going to be who she is, and she still gets hired because she's a phenomenal coach. So she hasn't changed. We see her, and it's the same person we've been looking at. What we've received an indication about right now is that something may have changed in you. Again, if it's happened, it's not a crime, but it's a lesson to be learned here. Be careful what you wish for. Be careful what you seek prematurely. Be careful of others' influence coming along and being a distraction from what you're aiming to achieve and what your overall goal is because you're 21. Regardless of what you think you've accomplished or what you have accomplished or what you've achieved and what lies in wait in the immediate future, it's nothing compared to everything coming down the pike for you if you do things right. Or if you do things wrong, you're 21. You're not 51. You're not 61. You're not 81. You got a long life ahead of you. But it'll feel even longer if you're not careful about how you choose to conduct yourself, what you choose to portray, and what you choose to subject yourself to. Life's a beautiful, beautiful thing when you're winning. Temptation shows up everywhere. None of us are immune to it. Some of us just handle it better than others. Make sure you're handling it all better than others. No one expects you to know everything. Nobody expects you to get everything right. Just remember to be that beautiful, marvelous, spectacular young lady that achieved it all to begin with and follow that person. Not something else based off the temptation 
that was thrown in your face. It's just a thought. Just a thought. That's it for this edition of the Stephen A. Smith Show. I'll be back sooner than later. Until then, peace and love, everybody. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13, an Odyssey company in association with Stephen A. Podcast Productions. Episodes of No Mercy are available now for free wherever you get your podcasts.